I really believe it's harvest time, you guys. I believe it's time for the last day's miracles, for signs and wonders, to where the people of the earth will be shaken to see the power of God. Everything that's culminated from the beginning of time till now, I believe he's getting ready to pour out a spirit in such a way that people can, will either openly reject him or openly receive him. And I think we'll see it in the streets. I think we'll see it outpouring in the churches. I think we're going to see so much that what we saw in the Bible, we will actually say, wow, if people could see what's happening now. I believe we're right on the precipice. So I saw two things. I'm going to try to manage this, and I'm praying that God is not going to mess up my sermon. (laughs) So I just want us to... Um, I've only seen that, seen this happen three times. I was in Bremerton, Washington, getting ready to do a youth campaign, helping out another ministry. And about a month before it, I was in prayer and I saw a young man that came up and he was a skater. And I said to him in this prayer time, I said, you think the devil created you. I said, but God created you and the devil's exploiting it. If you'll give your life to him, he'll use it all for your glory. Second time was I was making a left turn on Water Street in Jackson, Ohio. And the Lord said to me, there's a youth revival coming to this church, this small town, maybe less than 10,000. A youth revival is coming, and um, they're going to have to work night and day for it. And the pastor had me speak. I was designing a youth center for him, and, and they usually like put you in a box. If you could design a youth center, then you probably can't preach. If you can preach, then you probably, you're just doing this for other, other means. And um, I was in prayer, and I saw this young man sitting on this side of the aisle um, against the wall. And I turned to him, and I said, you're a soccer player. You would never sit on the bench playing soccer. You'd get bored. And I said, that's how your walk is with Christianity. If you don't get up off the bench, you'll never know what it's like. So as they introduced me to come up, I turned, and I looked to that part of the room, and the boy wasn't, the young man wasn't there. And I I stopped and I went, oh my gosh, I I didn't see it, I guess. Well, during the service, he was coming from a soccer game and he actually rushed over and sat in that very exact place. And I looked down and there he is. And before I could say it, you know, because you want to be careful of people, I said, you, and I called his name. I said, I saw you there because the whole church saw me start to say it. I said, I saw you there. And if you get up off the bench in Christianity, God will begin to use you and you'll see how valuable it is. But just like sitting on the, on, on the bench in soccer, anyway, I called that out. So last Tuesday morning, I didn't look at my clock because I, didn't, I don't always like it when the Lord wakes me up at that time in the morning. <laughs> so after I prayed for a little bit and prayed for a little bit, then I finally looked at my clock and it was about 5 o'clock in the morning. So I think it was about 4.40. And um, I don't know if you, how you are with the Lord. Like sometimes you're like, are you serious? Are you serious? Can I get a little more sleep? So I'm going to ask, I'm going to just ask this. This is a Wednesday night service. I know there's, this is normal for us, right? Most of us. So I saw a woman, I, it was a woman, and the fire of God was on her. I think she was wearing lighter clothes. But she had never experienced the fire of God like that before. And I, I just asked for that one woman to come up. Now, I can miss it. 
But even as Pastor Mark and I were sitting in the back there, and as I was worshiping, I'm like, okay, I have to at least step out in faith. If there's somebody here you've never, ever been touched by the Spirit of God like that, but right now he's touching you, the Spirit of God is touching you, and you know I'm speaking, it's only supposed to be one person, and you know that's you, will you come up here quickly? You've never been touched by the Spirit of God like that, but something's happening to you right now. So you're telling me you've, you've never been touched like this before. Okay. All right, I'm coming down here, okay? Everything going all right in your life? Just a minute. Okay, lift your hands, lift your hands. All right? You can sense the presence of God right now, right? Do you need anything? Do you need a miracle? Do you need something radical? You don't understand? I'm, I'm getting as touched as you are. Because I'm sitting back there like, oh, Lord, why do you do this to me? You don't have to tell me, but can you give me something so I can attach my faith to it? Okay. Chrissy, come here real quick. I'm telling you, God's going to change you. You know it, right? You know it right now. Okay? Just want you to put your hand on her belly. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Okay? So before you lifted your hands, before... I saw fire in your hands. To me, that's gifts of healing and working of miracles. Many of us, God deposits things in us and will never a- activate or operate in it. A lot of times when Christians don't develop their faith, they won't go praying for people. But the minute you start praying for people, that healing power starts going through you and the water, always, the hose always gets wet with the water. Glory to God, Father. Right now, I declare your life will never, ever be the same again. Get bold, get crazy, just like those glasses. And when God, the compassion of God pours out on you, you go, you touch people and the healing power will fall on them and they will get touched and changed. Never the same again in Jesus' name. Okay, God, you made me look good on that one. So I'm going to say another thing and I'm just, um, uh, I've already seen this before. But I think for some reason the Lord wants to honor the person. Is that okay? All right. Mickey, I want to tell you this, man. There's a fresh mantle falling on you. A new mantle. I don't know if your personal walk is changing. I don't know what, but you are fine-tuning. And God says, get ready and receive. And we know how the receiver works. We say it with our mouth. He says he's going to be dropping new psalms, new hymns. Does this bear witness with you at all? And I saw it up here again. I go, Lord, get ready, get ready, get ready. Start declaring big things. Start dreaming big things. Start asking for psalms that will cut to the chase. I know there's that song, what is it, the key of David. But there's something in the spirit. Amen? Do you receive it? I'm telling you, I, I think he's, he wants to honor you. You've been faithful. You've been pushing, going, doing all different levels. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Okay. I'm having too much fun already. Um, so I'm going to talk to you tonight. This is a crash course in evangelism. I'm going to give you four quick things. I guess you're not going to be able to see me up there, right? Because we're going to throw bold up there. I'm going to try. This is like I can do this in, I don't know, seven minutes a little. Each one of these is a full sermon. 
But I see stuff happening in this church. We helped do the youth camp, uh, the men's camp uh, three years ago, two years ago, something, something like that, two years ago. And I don't know if the gentleman's here right now, but um, I remember turning to my administrator who was helping me, the young guy who was helping me from, he's now living in German, Austrian border. And I said something about this gentleman, nice Handsome, gray hair. Um, is he here? I have him on video. He got up and testified. And he came up and I prayed for three things. I prayed for healing. I prayed for baptism of the Holy Spirit. And how many men were there? And you remember what happened. Listen, I, I, I said, I'm not going to teach on it. If, you don't, if you've never had any instruction on it, you're going to get it anyhow. And people came up and they just started speaking in other tongues. And I don't know, some of them might not have even believed in that. They just started speaking in other tongues. And then all the men were like, hoo hoo I've never, I've never been in a meeting like that ever. Like one man comes up, it's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like you're with a bunch of Marines. And then somebody else comes up, I want that too. hoo They just start speaking in tongues. And all the men were just... So then one man gave a testimony at the end. And he said... Oh, so the third one I said is then we're going to pray for the fire to be rekindled. And... um. He got up and he said, I was in a mighty move of God. I think it was um, San Jose area. And he said, people were lining up outside the churches. Are you going to let me preach? <laughs> and they're lining outside the churches. Okay. And he said, and we were waiting to get in the doors and it was packed. And he said, when you laid hands on me, it was the corporate anointing too. He said, I felt born again, again. And he said, I see it happening in this place where they're going to be lining up. And you're going to have to, I mean, you're going to have to have the ushers. I'm sorry, sir. You can't get in here. We're going to have overflow room. So I'm just going to enjoy myself in that one. But I just, why was I telling you that? Bold, bold. Definition is not hesitating or fearful in the face of actual or possible danger or repuff. Courage or daring beyond the usual limits of conventional thought or action. Sometimes I can be like that. I got a call from a pastor friend one morning, and he said, uh, the Lord talked to me. And you know, when you're a minister, and somebody calls, I'll be okay, okay, that's cool. And he goes, he said to me, who do I love? And the pastor answered really well. He said, you know, Lord. And he said, who did I bring to the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John. He, bought the, he brought the bold ones. He bought the crazy ones. He brought, he bought, he brought. <clears throat> and um, I'm going to give you a couple things here. Peter, James, and John. Matthew chapter 17. This is where he takes them up. And they see the glory of God. I have a whole other sermon that I preach. I think it's in Mark where some come to get fed the teachers and the scribes come to get intellectual knowledge. You know, it's the word still. But then three guys got to see the glory of God. And then Peter kind of misinterpreted it. Do you remember the story? I'll give you the references because I, I, I only have a limited time. Each one of these could be an actual sermon. Um, Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 and 9. Then Luke 9, 27 through 36. And the bold ones. Sometimes the bold ones open mouth and they insert foot. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes those guys, that's what they do. But God loves 
the bold ones. Let me tell you a few things about Peter, James, and John. Peter, we know the whole thing there. He's in Mark chapter 8, verse 29, Jesus saying, who do men say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, right? He mentions all those others. And then just a short time later, Jesus is teaching, and he's saying, I'm getting ready to be killed. He's prophesying about his death. And then Jesus, Peter gets up and he says, not so, Lord. This shall never happen. And what, we know what happens. Peter turns and he goes, he says, um, or Jesus turns to Peter and says, get thee behind me, the spirit that was behind, get thee behind me, Satan. So the problem is with those bold guys. Anybody know what I'm talking about, those bold guys? Anybody? Put your feet up. Yeah, there we go. See, that's what I was looking for. Because that means you're, we're in the right place right now. And so open mouth, insert foot. Here's Peter. They're in, they're in one of the most tumultuous times of Jesus' life. And, you know, I don't know how often we read about the army coming up to Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. And, you know, it wasn't like they were like, you know, like this. I mean, there's an army with lights and swords and clinking and crashing and all this stuff. And Peter jumps up, whew, hacks off the high servant's priest's ear, the servant of the high priest's ear, hacks his ear off. And then Jesus has to reach down, pick it up, and glue it back on. I think if I was the high priest, I would have liked to, oh, maybe we shouldn't be here. This is getting kind of intense. That was my servant whose ear got hacked off. And then the wonder worker glued it back on. This is Peter for you. But then we know what happens, Right? On the day of Pentecost, that same bold one gets up and gets crazy. 3,000 plus people come to the Lord. Crash course in evangelism. First, I'm talking about bold. Sometimes they're inappropriate. James and John, they come and I actually, I've taught this before, but I've never broken it down where I went over every scripture again and again. Do you know that? Um, James and John's mom came, I think it's in Mark, they, she came and she kneeled before Jesus. They had a revelation he was going to be king of kings. You know, sometimes, even when the radical things happen in our life, we don't have a revelation that the God of the universe is in the house. She knelt before him, Right? Before Jesus, and I can't see scripturally if both James and John knelt, but you never know because they kind of followed mom's path. You know what I'm saying? And then she says to Jesus, please grant my sons on your right hand, your left. It's powerful. So James and John kind of got it from their mom. You know what I mean? They got it honestly. So some of you, you got some crazy parents. Some of you got some crazy parents. You got it honestly. Are you with me? I'm crash course in evangelism. We were trained. Listen, um, I don't know if my friend's here. Uh, you, you go to the, the, the schoolyard, and there's a kid, and his dad's like a desk jockey. Da, 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 but he, he tells this other kid, my dad can whoop your... My daddy can take down your daddy. You know what I'm talking about? And the other guy's daddy might be an MMA fighter. You know what I'm saying? And, the, and his dad just like sits at the desk all day, does this kind of stuff. But that little kid, he believes in his dad so much. 
And then can you see the whole thing play out where the guy's dad comes by? Hey, I heard they're at the school. Hey, I heard you want to like take me down. I'm an MMA fighter. You know, I'm, I'm making a joke. But I want to tell you this. Our daddy, our daddy God, all things were th- created through Jesus. He can do anything with God. All things are possible. With man, some things aren't possible, the Bible says. I could give you all the scriptures. Luke 1, chapter 37, verse 37. Matthew 19, 26. Mark 10, 27. But with God, our daddy God, what am I telling you? This crash course in evangelism. When you're bold, we were taught that the bolder the declaration, the greater the manifestation of his presence Listen, I'm careful in this area besides everywhere else because when we speak up here, we speak as unto the oracles of God. Thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory. How often is always? That's every time. So if we're not getting it, then we just keep declaring it and we keep on walking with him. Thanks be unto God who who, uh, gives us the victory. We have the victory. He will give us the victory. You're not bragging on a daddy who's a desk jockey. You're bragging on the God of the universe. And the God of the universe. I was, I was on my way to Iraq. We don't stream this, right? Okay, anyway, I was on my way to Nation Ends in a Queue. That's why I do that video now, because I can go so quick, nobody can catch it. And so I was on my way there, and flying from actually from Sun Valley. And I, I was on my way there, and this pastor, a Greek pastor, gets up. And usually they would introduce me, especially when I'm on my way to a crazy place, but they didn't do anything. And he says this. He says, if you have to understand everything, then your faith is limited to your understanding. But he said, if you can believe God, then your faith is limited to his understanding. And then tongue-in-cheek, tongue he said, his understanding is slightly unlimited. Oh, get a hold of that. I'm on my way to Nation Ends in a queue. I had $5,000 cash in my pocket, and I, there was an embargo that I wasn't out, and I ended up taking a taxi across the Turkish-Syrian Ends in a queue border, and I'm, I had a thought. What if they don't stamp my passport and let me over? And the Holy Spirit said, don't touch it in your thought life. Don't give any place to that. Because it opened the door, it could open the door for something. I made it across the border, brought in a team, we saw um, gifts of healing, working miracles. 30 or 50 people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Many of them were pastors from the whole nation, top, north and south. The bolder the declaration, I'm talking about a crash course in the evangelist. Second thing, impetus. I like to see the word up there. I'm not trying to be uh, super intellectual. So I added a little, the reason. Impetus is a moving force, impulse, stimulus. We can just say the reason. Okay? Proverbs 29, 18 says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. It doesn't mean that these people are running around as screaming memes, pulling their hair out. What it means is without a vision, without a revelation of God, people live purposeless lives. Lives. I don't know how I travel a lot. Sometimes I sit and I watch people in the airport and I'm like, 
a lot of people have purposeless lives. They're just trudging along, trudging along. October 31st, 2022, the earth reached its 8 billion population mark. Go to www.worlddometer.com. There are a lot of people on planet Earth right now without a vision. They're running amok. Without a vision, my people run amok. You know, you guys realize we have the answer. The bolder you are, but what causes you to keep on track? That's the impetus. That's the reason. I want to give you a vision of people perishing. Every one of these is a full sermon, but I'm not, I don't have time for this anyway right now. Lester Summerall was in a little farmhouse, and I was thinking about this. Oh, today I went for a walk up to a village, to a village, whatever, what do you call it? Village, the village. And um, I was thinking, Lester Summerall is in like a farmhouse, farmhouse church in like Indiana, and he falls into a trance while he's preaching to a, a, a group of farmers. And he, um, he is taken up into heaven and this angel's beside him and he's looking down and he sees this whole group of people traveling this way. And then he looks down and he sees this little group off to the right going here. And he said, the Holy Spirit, do you, or the, the angel says to him, do you know who these are? He says, no, Lord, you do. Kind of like that other pastor. He says, these are the people on, on the road of life, and they're headed here. And he said that breakoff is the people who found the road to life, Jesus. It was a small amount of people. And the angel asked him, do you want to know the end of the people on the road of life? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes down, and as they come, there's a, a cavern or a, a cliff. And as they come to the edge, people are looking down, and they're just trudging along kind of like lemmings, just trudging along, just trudging along. And they come to the edge and they look and it's hell, hellfire down there. And as they realize where they're going, they're grabbing their faces. And, and I, hopefully there's no little children in here. And their blood is squirting out of their faces when they realize they're going to spend eternity in hell. And he starts screaming at the angel, no, stop it, stop it. Can't you stop this? And the angel turns to him and says, I can't stop it seeing it's your fault. And he says, he looks down at his hands and there's blood on his hands. And he says, if you won't go tell them, if you won't go tell them, the blood's going to be on your hands. And it, it initiated a worldwide ministry. I, when I was walking here today, I was thinking, what if that man would have just dropped that whole call in that little Indiana farmhouse church and gone on with life? You know, I was, I was, um, I had a, a Uber guy pick me up one time to bring me to church here. And, um, I got talking to him about Jesus and he said, I was in, I think the, um, Korean war. And he said he got blown up. And he, he's a taxi driver. He got blown up. This is 10 years ago. And he says, I went to heaven while I was in the hospital. And I went up and saw my grandfather. 
And he said, do I get to come see Jesus? He says, no, if you see Jesus up here, you don't get to go back home. And so as I'm talking to the guy about my faith, I said, where do you go to church? He goes, I don't go to church. I said, dude, you went to heaven and then you came back and you don't go to church. You know, it's real. And he says this, he's like, I know, but I mean, it's like, okay, so I died for a moment. You know I mean? Like, who cares, right? It's over, right? No, it's not over. I'm, uh, I'm surfing Zuma Beach, not far from where we lived this last uh, winter. And I'm out there, and surfers are kind of territorial. They don't really talk to each other very much, but there was just two of us. It was a small, small waves going on. And so we got talking. I said, hey, hey, where are you from? He goes, oh, I just moved back here from Maui. I said, I lived on Maui. And he said, um, really? I said, where'd you live? I said, da 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 We're talking. And, and then he says, I said, why'd you move back? There's like no waves here. If you're a surfer, this is your life. He said, did you ever know Brad Lewis? I said, yeah, I knew Brad Lewis. He's like a phenomenal surfer, really good guy, worked really hard, all these different things. And he said he was coming back from Ho'okipa one morning through the cane fields, and a massive cane truck hit his car and decapitated him. And he said, he said, I realized that I had to get a handle on my life. I'm giving you impetus. I'm at Bible college. First, um, tried to move there before school. I would have probably, Pastor Mark and I would have known each other December 88. And um, moved early because I didn't know what it was like to live in Oklahoma. I lived in California and Hawaii. And I moved there. And the first day I move into an apartment, I go for a run. And that night I had a dream where my brother and I were sparring in a, um, in a karate um, studio. And I have this number float up while I'm running over to the ORU college. And I call the number and they said, um, hey, your brother was killed in a motorcycle accident last night. And I call my mom. I drop everything that I'm doing, fly back. He was living with a 40-year-old woman. He was 25 years old. I had just flown from Hawaii six months earlier and said, your, your life needs a change. Something bad's going to happen to you. I'm talking about impetus. I'm living on... on um, I'll just skip that one for this one. I'm going to um, Bible college. I'm going to, to Bible college in Tulsa, and it's probably about a week before I met you, um, Pastor Mark. And I'm going to a Christian party. You know, he that finds a wife finds a good thing, obtains favor from the Lord. You got to at least go to a party, try to find a girl, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm in my 69 Carmen Ghia, and I'm driving cross town. Back then, gas was like a dollar. 10 cents a gallon in Oklahoma, and I'm driving across town, and the Holy Spirit, I just come from a Bible study, and the Holy Spirit says, go to Price Mart and buy some chips. And I'm like, Lord, Price Mart's way up 71st, and then you got to cut down, I think it's Sheridan right here, and then I could cut across right here. There's got to be a grocery store somewhere along there. And then he says a second time, to do that, you'll need to be online. She's, she's trying to interrupt our sermon. And so he says, go to, go to Price Mart and buy some chips. A second time. He didn't tell me to crash my car in a wall. And then he says it a third time. 
Still a small voice, not a booming voice. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? I drive to Price Mart and I go to, and I'm buying some chips. And there's a young man, 21, and a young girl, 18. And they're like counting out their pennies. And I look at them. I came from a Bible study. I'm kind of full of the Lord. And I said, don't buy the cheap chips. If you can't afford the best chips, at least buy the middle chips. And then I give them like 50 cents. And the guy turns to me and he goes, you're drunk like we are. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. He's going to pour out spirit on all flesh. And so he looks at me and he's, he t- rolls his hand over and he goes, I keep hearing these voices. Tell me to kill myself. And I see the cut marks. And he says, I go to this denominational parsonage. And I went and I said, can you do that thing where you get rid of this from me? And the, the minister says, you smell like you're drunk. And he says, he smelled like he was drunk. And so we're on the chip aisle at Price Mart. And I said, sit down. And we sit down cross-legged. And I said, hold my hand. People are pushing shopping carts around. I'm talking about bold people. Impetus. And I said, pray this prayer with me right now. I take down his number. And uh, I think his name was Jason. And I said, I'm going to call you and invite you to church. So next week I call him. I remember thinking right there on that floor, I said, devil, you didn't get that one. I call him the next week. Oh, I don't really feel like going right now. I don't really feel like going. I call him the next week. I don't feel like going. I call him the next week. I can tell you when it was. 1989. I called him right beginning of November. His dad answers the phone. I said, hey, I'm looking for Justin. And he says, "Um, Justin's not here right now. Who is this? And I said, "Um, this is Cliff. And he goes, oh, you're the guy who's been inviting him to church. I said, yeah. He said, October 31st, Justin took his life. He said, I'm so grateful that you've been calling him. It gave me hope. There's people all around us that are crying out for God. We have the answer. We got to have a reason. We got to stir up a reason. I recognize John 10 10. There's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. These are all young people that were affected in my life. I could go on and on and on and on. And he is dropping it on the inside of us. I'm going to move along here. I was a surfer in Hawaii, 54 Kaimao Street in Paia. Every morning I would check the surf. I could look out and see a surf indicator, a wave. Testimony. We're on a testimony now. And um, I could look out and see what the waves are like. Every night I did, most every night I did 500 push-ups. Every morning, 300 sit-ups. Every evening I was preparing, getting ready, always looking for the waves. I knew every surf spot. I knew every situation. I knew where I wanted to surf, how, what wards I was going to use. I would check the weather. I'd check the storms. Is it Kona winds? Is it trade winds? Always ready. Did I always surf? No. But I was always ready. I was prepared or I was prepping to be ready. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to save, seek and save that which is lost. 
The CSB says, seek and save the lost. Jesus came from the perfect place from heaven to the darkest planet. But he didn't just come to seek, he came to save. To use a, a, <clears throat> to use a um, sales term, he came to close. You know, sometimes when you're telling people about our Jesus, you get to give them the opportunity. Would you like to receive Jesus? I was um, teaching along these lines in Greece, and um, uh, I told all the youth, okay, we're at a youth camp. When you're done with the youth camp, you just go back to your normal life. So as soon as you get back, I want everyone to call one person and invite them to come to a youth meeting. And, um, and then I said, if, they, if you don't have the guts to call them, if you can't be bold and call them, then you have to show up an hour and a half early and we're all going to go on the streets. So a bunch of them came. They didn't call their friends. I said, they don't have to come. All you have to do is call them and ask them to come. You getting this? And so we had a pretty good amount of people. They went out on the streets and they brought one 30-year-old Iraqi man. So there's a, I was reading a book called Kiss, Bow, or Shake Hands, and we found out he, I mean, you could tell he was like a 30-year-old Iraqi man with all these youth. And I said, where are you from? He said this. And then I just remember I was reading Kiss, Bow, or Shake Hands. You know, I didn't put my watch on. Isn't that funny that I didn't put my watch on right now? And I, I had a watch on, and it said in the book, when you go to a Middle Eastern country, you bring a gift, somebody who comes and visits you. So I actually took my watch off. I really was impressed by the Lord to give him my watch. So I gave him, it was a Swiss watch too. I gave him my watch. Well, then I did an altar call and he got saved. You might say, oh yeah, because you're, you're a married kid, you give a watch. Well, then I, he comes up and I'm speaking, I'm speaking English, American English. And they're translating to Greek. And then we had a Sudanese Arabic speaker that spoke to him and he listened in Iraqi Arabic. Okay. And so as soon as I got done leading of the Lord, the Lord says, get him filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to need it. So this is like the litmus test. So I said, you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in other tongues. And then I come back like eight months later. I said, hey, whatever happened to that Iraqi guy? And they said, he got so fired up, he brought 14 other Iraqi people. They got saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all got asylum in Sweden. One crazy, bold challenge for the youth to call their friends and invite them to church and then go out on the streets. I'll tell you this last one and then I'll just finish the last part. I'm at Bible college. I'd never been around so many Christians in all of my life. I came from Hawaii. I was a windsurfer and a surfer, lived in a debaucherous town, Paia, um, people only move there for certain things, and we were all, you know, doing whatever we want to do. So I come to Bible college, and I'm getting so full of Jesus that I had to go tell other people about Jesus. So I would take friends after prayer school from 2.30 to 4.30, I prayed about it, down, downtown. I'd say, hey, let's go down and witness to people. And someone, well, we're not really, we're not really telling people about Jesus. We're going to tell them from the pulpit. Okay, that's cool. I got you. So I, would, I had to tell people about my Jesus. So I would go down, but there was nobody in downtown. 
So I'm praying in prayer school and I see the land of Goshen. Take him, go to the good land. So I would go down to Utica Square, the coolest place. And I would bring people, we would walk around, knock on doors. Joe up there, that's our testimony. You heard him playing in Kabul. He and I, he would go with me, was one of them. We'd knock on doors, we'd go to Woodward Park. Aren't these flowers beautiful? I'd find any reason to tell somebody, because I had to get some of Jesus out so that at Bible school I could get more Jesus in. Okay, 2.30, 4.30. Sometimes we'd bring people to church. A couple times I went by myself and then it got a little scary, like people tried to invite you in, it got weird. And so then I made sure I always had people with me. And um, I get done, two weeks later, I'm in the south of France, getting ready to teach windsurfing. And the pastor's wife's, the pastor's mother, she was a Jewish socialite, spoke like five languages, south of France, Nice. She wears pearls, high heels. She said, what did you do while you were at Bible school? I said, what do you mean? She goes, I, and I tell her I did this, I did this, I did this. She goes, no, 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 no. Where did you tell people about our Jesus? And I said, I would go out 2.30 to 4.30 at Utica Square and bring people with me. And if nobody went with me, I'm like, Lord, what do I do? I would stand on the street corner at Utica Square. I would stand there and we wore suits back then. And I would preach from the street because I had to get some of Jesus out of me. You with me? And she goes, oh, my gosh, that's perfect. Ça, c'est parfait. Because I go out from 2.30 to 4.30 on Wednesday to the Promenade des Anglais and, ah, vous, vous connaissez Jésus-Christ? Ah, viens avec l'église, ah, Victoire Centre Chrétien. And I, she would go in her pearls and her high heels, 70-year-old Jewish Messianic Jew. Hello, come to, come to church with me. And I clocked out in Tulsa. Two weeks later, I clocked out, clocked back in in the south of France. I'm almost done, you guys. Every one of us has a testimony. I have a, I, I was sitting on the beach, Kihei, Maui, Hawaii, Kamoli too. And um, I was watching the waves come in. I, you heard some of it up there go out. And I said, if you got a plan for the coconut, you got a plan for Cliff Graham. And um, he said to me on the beach, Kamoli too. Next person you sleep with is going to be your wife on your wedding night. I didn't know it was going to be 14 years later. He didn't tell me that. It was a challenging 14 years for that young man. And then he said, you never drink again. He said it to me. So I had two options, either obey or disobey. I obeyed. Never drank since. The... My wife was the next person to watch him. That's my testimony. Everyone has a testimony. I just shared it. We, were, we took a boat out the other day at Redfish Lake. I don't like to go slow. You got a boat. It's like, put, put. I'm like, no. We used to like jump waves in Monte Carlo, like 10 foot waves in a, you know, um, Skinotique, you know, I don't want to go, right? So they're jumping off rocks. If we have a friend from Malibu, they're jumping off rocks. And I pull up, and then there's a whole pontoon boat come up. 
And you could tell they're enjoying the party atmosphere. A couple of different ways. You know what I'm talking about? Illegal ways, legal ways, maybe who knows what. So I'm just holding the boat while they're jumping off the rock. And we couldn't tie off because it was a little bit not appropriate to tie off there. And I get talking to people. You could tell I'm probably semi-gregarious. And one of the guys looks a little familiar. And I, I, I said, um, yeah, what are you guys doing? Uh, yeah, I live here. We used to have a boat, but we, it's easier to do this. Rent it like this. And I said, who are you? And he takes the thing and says, Pete. I go, Pete, this cliff. My roommate worked for you at Smokey's, and then now he runs a bar. And I said, you lost a little bit of weight. I said, what happened? And he said, I had cancer. And he and his daughter were the only ones just drinking spritzer, not the other stuff. And then they offered him one of those other things like that. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, my children are jumping off the rocks. And as I'm sitting there, I hear that voice, that still small voice said, tell him you want to pray for him. And I'm trying to negotiate as they're enjoying the party atmosphere. You know what I'm talking about. And finally, all the, all the young men go, and I said, Pete, you, you know, you know my roommate. And he says, yeah, and he and his daughter sit down right here on the dock. And I said, I had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. Kamoli too, Kihei Maui, Hawaii. He says, my mom had a condo at Kihei Maui, Hawaii, Kamoli three. I said, I know where you're at. And the Lord says, pray for him. And then when they came around the corner, I told him my testimony. I said, we're going to pray for you and your daughter. He said, please. I heard him say, I heard his daughter say, Dad, some of the people on the boat are watching. He goes, I don't care. You will never know until you go. And that fire lights in you. Dutch Sheet says this, give him 15. After teaching on the power of history recently, it was from a, a quote I got from before, I was asked by a Messianic Jew rabbi if I knew the meaning of the word for testimony. He said, I did not. I love that when people go, you know, Lord, you know, Lord, I did not. I, I, there's a lot of things I need to learn. I can't wait till I get to heaven and then everything's going to be perfect. But in the meantime, I'm going to still keep going. You know what I'm talking about? He said, I did not. He said, The word doesn't simply mean to convey something from the past, he informed me. Its true meaning is to repeat an action or do it again. We Hebrews believe, he continued, that when you share about what God did in the past, it releases the same power into the present. In other words, power is released to do it again. Can I submit to you this? Every time you tell your testimony, Kihei Maui, Hawaii, Kamaoli too, he told me the next person I sleep with is going to be my wife on my wedding night. Never drink again. Every time I'm establishing who I am in Christ and it's bringing that power back to me again and again and again and again. Every one of us has a testimony. Your testimony might be, I never fell in that junk. That's a powerful testimony. That's a powerful testimony. Tell it, tell it, tell it. I, I, when I used to watch the waves, I didn't surf every day, but I was always looking. Two, two days ago, we were with our friend, and I, I was, no, 
day before yesterday, I got breakfast. I asked Pastor Mickey to come with me, and he was a snoozing, St. Mattress, Pastor Pillow. No, I'm just kidding. And so there was a man there. I watched him walk in, and I was trying to see if I could paddle out on that wave. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I tried to greet him. He didn't. And I thought, Lord, I had something for him. But I'm constantly looking because we got to be bold. We got to have impetus, a reason. And then we have a testimony in the last part, gift of evangelist. Then I'm going to do this one last thing. We, we normally pray for people at this. <clears throat> the New Testament signs that accompany, um, the evangelist is gifts of healing and working of miracles. I'll share that a second with you and then we'll, then we'll do, be done here. Um, this is the gift of an evangelist, a publisher of glad tidings, a missionary preacher of the gospel. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This title is applied to Philip, who appears to have gone from city to city preaching the word. Acts chapter 8, verse 4 and 40. Judging from the case of Philip, evangelists had neither the authority of an apostle, nor the gift of prophecy, nor the responsibility of pastoral supervision over a portion of the flock. Am I reading too much? They were itinerant preachers having it as their special function to carry the gospel to places where it was previously unknown. See all those crazy places? That's why he says to go. But I want to tell you something. There's some crazy places in Boise. There's some crazy places in Meridian. There's some, I mean, I've been in some of those crazy places. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us, it's our time to go to the, and I know there's people doing it, but if every one of us, think of if every weekend, a thousand of us said, God, where would you send me at my dinner, at my lunch, at the grocery store, and you're looking for the wave? You're looking for the wave. God, is there somebody I could tell about my Jesus? Think of what would happen every Sunday if every church in this city, a thousand people from every church told it. Think of what would happen to our city. There's a, there's a form of the word. The writers of the four gospels are known as evangelists. This, there's, this is a form of the word, um, ordinary translated gospel. Well, we won't do it. U-G Elian. Except that, that it, here it designates one who announces that gospel to others and a bringer of good tidings. And I literally, God himself is an evangelist. For he preached the gospel beforehand under Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, you note takers. Jesus Christ was an evangelist, for he also preached the gospel. Paul was an evangelist as well as an apostle. Philip the deacon was an evangelist. And Timothy the pastor. And indeed, all the other disciples, early disciples who on being driven out of Jerusalem, went everywhere preaching the word. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. But Ephesians 4.11 teaches that one particular order of the ministry, distinguished from every other, is singled out by the head of the church for this work in a distinctive sense. All may possess the gift of an evangelist in a measure, I'm almost done, and may be obligated to exercise its privilege and duty, but some are specially endued with it. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. If, if you don't understand the fivefold ministry gift, God put that in the church for the equipping of the saints. Are you with me? I operate um, primarily in the gift of evangelists. I do, have other, I do have other offices that I walk in. Pastor Mark, don't just draw on the gift of a pastor. He operates in other 
gifts. There, if you don't understand it, go to the Bible school. There's really good Bible study here at Bible school here. I've been, I've actually got the privilege to be a teacher from time to time called LBC. That was a shameless plug, wasn't it? Then <laughs> um, you'll learn about those things. But when you, if you just give a cup of cold water, he said, you won't, to one of my disciples, you won't lose your reward. But if you just draw on the pastoral gift, you'll get a pastoral message. You'll get a pastoral gift. But if you draw on some other gifts that most likely reside on a few of the, um, the ministry gifts here, you'll get that reward. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? That was a good word right there, Cliff. It will be seen that in the order of the ministry, the evangelist precedes that of the pastor and the teacher. People go, why do you go to all these exotic places? I'll tell you this, man. Some of those exotic places are the gnarliest places. You saw some of them. Sun Valley, Malibu, Monte Carlo. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They would rather vote a six by six inch chair church into their community than have a full-blown church. Somebody gets to go there. It's not always fun. Okay, I'm almost done. We doing all right? Pastor, are we doing okay? Okay. No, no, we're not. This is it. I'm not, I'm not claiming this. The evangelist has no fixed place of residence, but moves about in different localities. That's what it says right here. Preaching the gospel to those ignorant of it before. Listen, I just said that. Some of those other places, they're ignorant of the gospel. We need the light. Some of you, you have that on the inside of you, and he's told you, go tell them, go tell them, go tell them. Just get bold. Find an impetus, find a reason. Get your testimony, practice it. When I sold suits, they trained us how to sell suits to businessmen who didn't have time to looky-loo. Go over it. Tell your friends. I was teaching in India, uh, Brother Thorats, and I taught on this whole situation. I said, if you can't go out and witness in your community because the Hindus and the Muslims and the different things, I said, I want you to practice on each other while they're in school. I said, you go back and you witness, and you pretend you're so-and-so, and you're so-and-so, and you give reasons why you shouldn't receive Jesus. You do back and forth, and you do it like we did while we sold suits. And then one, one day, I got seven minutes left of my class. And I said, okay, we're done. And I was teaching on personal evangelism, and I took it into mass evangelism. And I said, how many of you would like an impartation of boldness? Everybody raised their hands. And I go, I, don't, I got seven minutes. I said, how many of you did your homework and went back and witnessed to your roommate or do this? And only a few did. I said, you guys get up here because you've done your work. Before they hit the ground, before they came to me, the power of God touched them and poured out of them because there's an impartation. There's, he gave gifts unto men. Some of what's on me can get on you. You say, I don't want to talk to people. Jesus wants you to talk to people. I don't want to talk to people. God wants you to talk to people. I don't want to talk to people. People are crying out for what you have. I'm almost done. At a later time, the the name of evangelist. Wait, as they're converted and united to Jesus Christ by faith, the work of the pastor and the teacher begins to instruct them further in the things of Christ and build them up in the faith. I got like six minutes, just like the last time. Oh, I love this pastor. I love this pastor. 
I'm, I'm actually done with this, but then at a later time, the name evangelist is given the writers of the four gospels because they tell the story of the gospel because the effect of their promulgation at the beginning was very much like the work of the preaching evangelist. In character, the gospels bear something of the same relation to the epistles as evangelists to pastors and teachers. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I saw me doing. If you know, oh, one last thing. I believe, I had an evangelist friend of mine that he said from time to time, God would give him uh, allowance of the prophet's office. And he said he would be somewhere and all of a sudden the office of the prophet would drop on him. It was an allowance. What did our parents give us our, give our allowance for? Is to teach us how to manage money so that as we got older, we would be better stewards, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I believe as we accept this call, the New Testament signs and wonders that accompany the gift of evangelist are there to the dinner bell to their loss will ring in their ear and they'll surely come running from far and from near. I believe he can give you, you can step into that allowance of an evangelist if you'll take it and he will deposit or allow that healing anointing to flow through you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He can give you an evangelist allowance. It's the last days, you guys. It's our time to start getting bold. Find a reason. Find a reason, whatever it is. Those, I can tell you the story, six, seven, eight young men and women. I was working at Mark Foo's, uh, living at Mark Foo's surf hostel in May, about 85, 86. I was reading my Bible in the mornings, $10 a day back then to rent a place. And I got down in my Bible, praying, ministering to the Lord, come out, and there's a gymnast from Madison, Wisconsin, with all these end-of-the-season surfers. And she, hey, what's your name? Carol. I said, Carol, what is this, uh, a gymnast from Madison, Wisconsin, doing a surfer hostel at Mark Fu's house on the North Shore at the end of the season? And these words rolled out of my mouth. I know exactly what you're doing. You've been smoking pot, sleeping with your boyfriend, and you're um, have, have backslid from the Lord, and you came out here to get your life together and, and deal with it appropriately. And she looks at me and goes, whatever. You know, like, who are you? I'm the bold one. I got an impetus. I got a testimony, and there's a gift of evangelist. And so two days later, we're, on, we're at Rocky, um, Rocky surf, uh, Jocko Surf Spot, right across the street from Mark Foo's, right by Waimea Church. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, North Shore. And so we're having a barbecue, and she says, I see you doing this little windsurf. I was airbrushing T-shirts and doing this art. She goes, I see this little ministry that you have. She goes, let me tell you about the summer. She goes, I was smoking pot, sleeping with my boyfriend, backslid from God. I got on a plane to come to Waikiki and get my head on straight. He said, as I come out of the door of the airport, Honolulu Airport, he says, this surfer hostel van pulls up and says, hey, we $10 a room. I mean, they're all guys in this place, okay? And she goes, she said, I was going to pay 100 bucks a night for a hotel. 
And she goes, I have $500 left over. And she says, I want to sow into your ministry. My dad taught me how to invest. She goes, send me some of those airbrushed t-shirts from time to time and write me a note. Fast forward, um, September, October, and I have a dream and Carol and I have the same P.O. box. And she turns to me as we're getting our mail out. She goes, hey, you haven't sent me any t-shirts. What are you doing? And so I go airbrush some t-shirts. Dreams and visions are, are the language of the Holy Spirit. And I write her a nice letter encouraging her in her faith. And I get a letter back a couple weeks later. And they said, we're Carol's parents. We got your t-shirts. We got your letter. Carol's committed suicide on Halloween night. When you know that you are the answer to life. Why, why are we going to go preach to three to 400,000 people on three events within 15 days? I will do anything I can to touch as many young people as I possibly can. They're going to be the last day's evangelists who are going to get crazy and bold. We're, we're concerned because they don't have identity now. They're not going to care about their identity when they're going to be so bold and see signs, wonders, and miracles. So if you want to accept this challenge, um, am I supposed to roll this back? Because I got this little machine. I like playing with machines. Or does somebody else do it? Oh, you got it? Okay. So I can step off. Do you want me to lift this thing off? So if you want to accept this challenge, um, I want to lay hands on you real quickly, Okay. I'm telling you, we're going to the next level here. I, we're, we just keep going level to level to level. But I believe there will be deposits. But then when you come up, and then the next time the, He, the Holy Spirit, prompts you, just get bold. Plan out how, what you're going to say. Tell them your testimony. Find a reason to do this. And let's step into this. Amen?